Welcome to The Shaleen Show. You found the podcast where all the super smart people hang out. Welcome to the club. Hey there. I'm so happy that you've joined me today. And yes, this is the podcast where all the smart kids hang out. And this show in particular is for the smart kids. This show, as you know, The Shaleen Show, is all about balance and success and fitness and food and family and faith and and just getting the most out of your relationships. And today's episode is dedicated to what I call a secret weapon. It's a secret weapon that can propel you and it propels so many people that I've worked with forward faster than any tool, any resource, any seminar, any habit, anything else I can share with you. Today's episode is dedicated to the notion that your brain is the most influential, the most important piece in all of this. It doesn't matter what we're talking about, fitness or family or faith or relationships or success, work. It doesn't matter. Your brain is the most important piece of this. Do we agree? If we do, then we can move forward because my goal is for this episode to help remove the stigma that surrounds the thought that going to see an expert to give your brain an advantage, aka considering therapy, and really understanding that there's, there's probably a form of therapy out there that would be perfect, practically painless, and just right for you. I think the number one reason why most people don't go to therapy is they they just don't understand it's a shortcut. You know, they think they're gonna open up a can of worms and they're like, everything's good, I don't even need to go there. I've already worked through that stuff. Well, you know what? You're probably wrong. I can say that with great authority because I've worked with thousands of entrepreneurs. I've worked with people who have paid me $25,000 to coach them for the year. And my job is to help them be successful. And there comes a point with even the most successful people that there's some stuff you just need to work through to break through to the next level. Now, this is part two of a two-part interview with Dr. Michaela. Dr. Michaela is the bomb. This chick is completely gifted at what she does. And in our first episode, she really helped people identify the difference between kind of nervousness and fear and anxiety, and then the difference between anxiety and and having a full-blown anxiety attack, and perhaps even more useful, how to handle it so that you can avoid going into that dreaded state of panic attack. This lady changes lives. No, this this lady saves lives. And I'm so honored to share this episode with you. Now, this is taken from a live interview I did in my studio. After I did this interview with Dr. Michaela, I'm like, so many people need to know this. I just have to put this out there. So I'm honored to share with you this episode with Dr. Michaela. Oh, and hey, after we... Oh, and hey, after we finished this interview, Dr. Michaela wanted to make sure that I included some links so you had the information and perhaps even a way to evaluate how we've done. And the reason why is because your stuff works. And um, I just think, you know, when I got into this space, when I say the space, I mean like personal and business development. One of the first things I realized is that you can learn like all the techniques and all the exercises and all of the you know, tips and the steps and the formulas. But if this isn't right, Mm -hmm. then you just, you either don't do it or you don't apply it or you Uh self-sabotage. And this is a program all about confidence. And and this program has been so tremendously helpful, helpful for people because it's like a strength training program. You're constantly building confidence. 
And you and I know how important that is, but we also know, because we've seen it help so many of our very successful entrepreneur friends, that there is a shortcut when you do therapy. But for mm -hmm. whatever reason, there's like this massive, you know, we kind of know why there's stigma associated with it. But I wanted to bring you here today to have an honest conversation mm -hmm. about um, therapy and the different types of therapy so that people can make a really well-informed decision because they're confident enough now to realize like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, this is what all the cool kids are doing. Mm -hmm. This is like a shortcut. This isn't going to be nearly as painful as I thought mm -hmm. it would be. So let's help them understand a little bit more about therapy. Okay. So let me ask you, um, there, how many different types, I mean, there's a bajillion, but if you had to like narrow it down into like the most common types of therapy, if someone just goes to the yellow pages, mm -hmm. I guess no one goes to yellow pages anymore. Mm -hmm. If somebody goes to Yelp and they search therapist, what kinds of therapy can people expect to see? Well, there are tons of different types of therapies, okay. probably more than I could even name in, in an hour or two. So, but, but technically there is talk therapy. Okay. You'll probably hear it more often, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is to say that again therapy. slowly, cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy. And that's therapy. different or that's the same thing as talk therapy? It, it's, it, it's part of talk therapy. So, okay. you know, when you're doing talk therapy, every therapist pulls from a different model. It's a different strategy, sure. you know, what we're going to use. But in inevitably, it's just talk therapy. So overgeneralize, and I, I know that this is like, you know, your industry, so it probably feels weird to overgeneralize, but can you just kind of simplify how you would describe talk therapy? Like, what would I expect if I go to a talk therapist? Well, talk therapy is where you're going to talk about whatever the circumstances are, about your history, My about past. Uh, your past, possibly. Um, you're, you're just going to talk and process, which is you know, you're going to go back and forth and, and uh, your therapist is going to share their views. They're, depending on the, the strategy they use, they might um, ask you a lot of questions. They might advise you. They might use a strategic approach. It just depends on their approach. But you're inevitably just talking about the problem and coming up with solutions. Okay. Got it. And then you said cognitive, oh, same thing, same category. It's the same thing. Cognitive behavioral is more focused on the behavior. Okay. So we're going to just get you to change the behaviors, and we use that a lot with addictions and things like that. Okay. So cognitive therapy, talk therapy, and what's the next most common form of therapy? Well, there's EMDR therapy. Okay. There's hypnosis. So hypnosis. Um, tell me about hypnosis. Hypnosis is, I mean, everyone's going to have their own, you know, way of explaining it, but hypnosis is where you're going under more of a, a deep state, state of mind, and the clinician is going to kind of walk you through a guided imagery or a visual imagery and um, prompt uh, positives and changes and things. And then when you wake up... Is it really like that? Like, you're a dog. Yes. Like, can they really do that? I don't know. I, okay. I mean, it just, just depends. Depends Seems on whatever like nice you, if you believe it works, then it works. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. I get it. Uh, so there's hypnosis. There's uh, neurofeedback, um, which is really kind of looking at the brain and brain spec scans. Okay. Um, and, and looking at it from a, a more technology, you know, sort of Meaning like form. someone who's had a brain trauma, someone who's had severe concussions, and then looking at trauma on their brain like on an MRI? Well, what Dr. Amen does? Well, similar to Brock, uh, Dr. Amen uses the brain spec scans. What that is, is that's just telling you, okay, we know there's a problem. We can see it. Yeah, that, he, he's, that's a diagnosis. That's not really treating it. You're just diagnosing it. it. Neurofeedback is also really diagnosing it because they're saying, okay, well, now we've got this printout. This is what's going on. You've got anxiety. So we ah. should now, now let's, you know, figure this out and help you work through it. Wow. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then um, EMDR. 
And then there's EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, for people that don't Eye know that. Eye Movement Desensitization and, and reprocessing. reprocessing. Okay. Mm -hmm. It actually began uh, just EMD, which is Eye Movement Desensitization. Hmm. Um, and it used to just be, let's just desensitize them from these phobias and these fears. Uh, and then it was, uh, the reprocessing part was added about 10 years later, because it's been around for about 30, 40 years now. Okay. Um, because we thought, the thought was, well... Why just desensitize it? If we're working with the brain and beliefs, why can't we then add the positive belief in the same way that the negative belief was uninstalled? So reprocessing, in layman's terms, is what you would say, we're taking out the negative belief. Let's say, for example, mm -hmm. um, I believe that when I walk into a room, everybody is looking at me and judging me and thinking I'm stupid. Mm -hmm. And um, what you're saying is not just desensitize them with this form of therapy, but mm -hmm. to actually replace that thought with a different thought. So then I walk into the room, I'm like, everybody everybody thinks I look amazing, exactly. and they can't wait to meet me. Exactly. And, you know, and, and that thought is, you know, I've been using the word caption lately. Okay. Because when I use the word belief, although those captions are beliefs, I, I'm noticing that the caption really is, you imagine like a, a scene or an image, is you describe it some way. There's a caption there. Okay. And it's all about the captions. But a good way to look at the difference between talk therapy and EMDR and what I love about EMDR and why I've really just focused so much on that concept yeah. is if you, you know, if you go to talk therapy, you're dealing with the stuff just in the frontal cortex. Okay. okay? Uh, if you go and do EMDR, we're dealing with everything that's in the back subconscious part of your mind. So you think of it as um, you have a computer, okay? okay. And um, you've got all these apps. Okay. Your phone, you've got all these apps. And you don't want this app anymore, so you, you take the app out. You delete it. And you think that the app is gone. Until you go into your applications, you're like, oh my gosh, all these apps are still here. So, you know, because we just delete the app, because we just talk about it in talk therapy, unless you go into the hardware and it's uninstall it, it's still there. Okay. So just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And that's why we can go to talk therapy. And depending on the problem, if it's just a current like issue or, or challenge, we can work through it. But otherwise, it's, it's all still there in the hardware. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to find a treatment that specifically was getting into the hardware. Mm -hmm. Whoever has sitting here is going to, to believe most strongly in their form of therapy, the therapy that they've devoted their life to. And you've done all these different types of therapy and uh, practiced them as well. And, and you would, I would say, tell people that EMDR is the one that you're most passionate about because you've seen people have the most permanent change. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's for me, um, you know, and being a big fan of therapy and I've done therapy since I was a kid. Um, I think smart people do therapy that you, it's really the reprocessing mm -hmm. and I've done EMDR and I've also done talk therapy and I've done talk therapy sessions where I feel like I've reprocessed mm -hmm. in that session. Like I've literally changed my thought process. But it always seems to me that it happens like super fast, especially mm -hmm. on the deep, difficult ones, the ones that are mm -hmm. like a deep track in my brain, mm -hmm. that those have required me to do EMDR. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, let's, just, let's just be honest and say we both love EMDR. Mm -hmm. And for no reason, because I'm not associated in any way, shape, or form with the EMDR mm -hmm. organizations. Mm -hmm. I just have seen it change so many people that we have worked with because you've seen people have the most permanent change. Because people, I think, associate EMDR with um, hypnosis, and it's mm -hmm. not hypnosis. No, hypnosis actually... I guess it's because of the eyes. You think like, you know, in the movies when they would like, mm -hmm. you're, you're getting sleepy. And so you know it has something to do with eye movement. Yep. And EMDR has something to do with eye movement. Can you explain why you use eye movement 
to reprocess. Well, how do, I mean, scientifically, how does that work? Well, when you have, a, it's, it's not just the eye movements. It's okay. a combination of the bilateral movements. That's back and forth. So you can use eye, you can use tones, you can use So it's pulse. bilateral of the brain? It's a, bi, it's a back and forth movement. Okay. Okay. And when you have any back and forth movement, and you combine that with uh, an image or a scene about something in your mind, a problem, okay. Okay. and you put the caption, the belief okay. with it, All right. you hold those, if you do those three things in conjunction with each other, yes. it activates a part of your brain, the hippocampus part of your brain in your limbic system, and the hippocampus part of your brain actually holds meanings. Okay. And so because we know that that's the part of the brain, it stimulates that. It causes what's called an anxiety. And that's not stimulated when I'm thinking about that no. scene and not doing eye movement? That, no. that area is not stimulated? Not stimulated. Okay, got it. Okay. So we stimulate that. And what, what happens is it creates this Ingram map, which is kind of like, you know, this, uh, if you imagine pouring, uh, you know, a cup of syrup over the top of your brain, it just, this, this, it ignites it basically, it wakes it up. Because all we're doing is we're taking this image, this scene, this problem, and the caption, the belief, we're holding it together, and we're activating the hippocampus. Now, the back and forth movements are um, distracting the frontal cortex part of your brain. This part of your brain mm -hmm. is what we basically operate on every day. This mm -hmm. is the part of our brain that says, look normal. Don't look think normal, about it. Don't think look, about look it. Look normal. Well, its job is to make sure you're no, you look normal. Okay. Normal. I love that. Look Literally, normal. Literally, look, look normal, normal, be normal. <laughs> uh, and so this is what we, what we you know, work from. But typically, what we're doing is when we have the back and forth movement, it's distracting the frontal cortex part of your brain so that as the, as the client is sharing what's coming up in EMDR, they're just giving reports what they notice. It's all coming from the subconscious mind because now we've shut this down. This is busy over here ah. doing this. And so now this is able to surface and come out. Okay. And this is where all those captions are is back here. Okay. So, yes, I want to share with you... Um, so I can ask. Maybe I shouldn't even ask because I love that this just works. And sometimes I don't even want to know why it works. But here we go. On, on, on your behalf, I'm going to ask. So when I did EMDR, when I do EMDR, and um, what I love about it is you don't have to go through like, well, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. You don't have to like go over all the details again. You just bring up like something that's upsetting, mm -hmm. like a, a belief or a scene or something from my past. And, you know, hold on to it, like you said, and then start the eye movement. And... I don't know if this is normal, but when I did it, my the, the things that were coming up were so it seemed disconnected, mm -hmm. like almost like a dream state. You know how like when you have a dream and you, I mean I was totally awake, but I was thinking, why am I thinking about that? Why am I thinking about that? And, and now I'm thinking about something that happened last week, and now I'm thinking about something that I'm not even sure if it happened. It's almost like a vision, mm -hmm. and then I'd be like, now I'm at the mall, and now my daughter's just morphed into my mother. Like it was very dreamlike and disconnected, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden I was like. Whoa, and things started like, is that normal? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I can explain that. It's it's really quite fascinating, actually. And it wasn't painful. Like I wasn't mm. like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what yeah. I mean? Like there were parts where I cried, but it was it was it it felt like a relief. Like my it was weird. Mm -hmm. It's the craziest, coolest feeling. Mm -hmm. But I kept thinking I must be doing this wrong because. My therapist told me to think about this one thing, and my head is going to like 85 different places really fast right now, mm -hmm. and that's normal? Well, EMDR, you're in REM sleep mode. It's the same state as awake. REM, but you're awake. So when you're dreaming, you know, the things you dream, they're all oh. kind of choppy and they don't make sense. And when you're doing EMDR and you're reporting what you notice in between the, because we do it in sets, 15, 30 seconds, eye movements, 
and then you just report what you notice. What you report isn't going to make sense either. And it's going to be just like as if you were telling somebody about a dream you had. It doesn't, it doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, okay. But what's coming out is in your subconscious mind, the mind has compartmentalizes different parts. And they're different ages, different times in your life. Yes. So because we've accessed the subconscious mind, we're accessing different ages. The brain has no concept of time. It just records the age, the way you thought, the way you felt, and the way you experienced it. So we hear all kinds of things that, you know, uh, might not make sense to the client. It doesn't matter. The fact is, is EMDR comes from the AIP model, which is the, the at adaptive integrative processing. Okay. All we're doing is we're integrating all those different parts. We, mm -hmm. we have to integrate them into one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's why when we're all done, the client will get a sense of, oh, I feel, you know, more put together. I feel more whole or, yeah. and so, so that's really what we're doing. I think that explaining the way EMDR works is really important. I, ah. And I think it's been a huge piece to my success ah. is I feel like when you walk out and you're not sure what, what's going on, you don't, yeah. did it work? Did it not work? Yeah. And a huge part of my philosophy is knowledge. That's true. Knowledge. And, yeah. and I think the more knowledge you have, the more knowledge, you know, is this, is this, is my therapist doing this right? Yeah. Is, is this working right? Yeah. You know, you'll notice uh, the changes that are happening and be able to identify as your own therapist that this is the way it needs to be going because it, it may not be going the right way depending on your therapist. They're, yeah. they're human. Yeah. You know, and that, and that's really why I created the Unstuck program. It's, it's once I understood the concept of what was happening that we're dealing with recorded tapes, mm -hmm. captions, mm -hmm. and forget about the anxiety, the fear, all of that. You cannot eliminate all of those things. Right. But you can if you start up here. Yes. And once, so once I realized what was going on, that's why I kind of came up with that. But I really, I really feel like knowledge is huge. That's true. That's very true. Do you, why, why was, or um, I should say, how was EMDR discovered? EMDR was discovered by Francine Shapiro. Uh, she's the creator. She's amazing, amazing, very smart. But she actually was walking one day on lunch, on her lunch break, and every day she would have this memory of an uncle, a, a bad memory in her mind. And one particular day she was walking and her eye was twitching, just twitching. And she realized or noticed that the next day when she went out, she always go the same walk every day during lunch, she noticed that for the first time in 20-some years that this memory of her uncle was different. Huh. And she didn't know how that happened. It was the same exact memory, remembered the same way every day. And so she, the only thing she could remember was her eye was twitching that day. And that's really where it began as she started testing. Yeah. You know. And am I, um, if I, am I correct in understanding that initially this was used on uh, war veterans? Veterans of war. Phantom limb pain, children in other countries, phantom limb pain, and then veterans of war. I see. Yeah. So like to remove a trauma from, you know, a, a war incident and, and using uh, EMDR to help them reprocess the event. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, what, why is it that you so love EMDR versus other forms of therapy? Because it works. Yeah. Really. It's faster. It works and it's faster and yeah, it's, it's just painful. a quick. Exactly.
That's mm-hmm. why I'm a big, big fan too. Yeah. Um, great stuff. Uh, you know, obviously everyone doesn't live here in Southern California and, mm. and I, I know you don't take on many individual clients. You do mainly intensives, intensives. and obviously mm-hmm. speaking in your, her program, the Unstuck program has helped thousands of people. Amazing. Mm. So where can they find out more about the Unstuck program? www.drmichaela.com. Dr. Michaela, we'll put that up on the screen too. Mm-hmm. And what about um, somebody who wants to find a good EMDR therapist in their area, mm-hmm. what should their first step be? Go to EMDR.com. EMDR.com. Because you, you want to make sure that your therapist is um, actually licensed by the institute. Okay. So that's the safest way to sure. do it. Um, and that also has specialties for different types of EMDR therapists ah. as well. But you always want somebody who's accredited. Yes. You know, now, uh, so I, I find somebody in my area and I go and have my first session. How do I know if this person is really good at EMDR? Because I have to say that only because I've, I've been to therapists who I was like, I didn't feel like it was their strong suit. You know, I had to search around and I'm, you know, not everyone has the benefit of calling you and saying, is this right? Mm-hmm. Is this normal? So, you know, if they were to go and see someone, what are like good or, you know, a, a, a pretty strong indicator that this is somebody who's going to be pretty good at EMDR? EMDR are just the, th- I mean, you want to make I sure off say first. EMDR. Okay, so, you, so once you feel like it's go a good ahead. match, then. Right. Um, I mean that you, the two of you have a rapport? Exactly, yeah. Once that, because if that's not there, it's not going to matter how good they are. You've got the rapport is number one. It's 50% of how, that, how that's going to actually what happen. What should I feel? You should feel non-judged. You okay. should feel comfortable. You should feel like the the conversation's not being monopolized by the therapist's stories and things that they're sharing. Good. Um, you should feel safe enough to be able to bring up whatever you want. Um, you got you need to feel in control. Yeah. Um, and 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 safe. When it comes to EMDR, I always do what's called target sequencing, and. A lot of EMDR therapists don't do that, and I don't know why. And that's one of the first phases of setting up EMDR. And all target sequencing is is taking, without starting the EMDR, it's taking a current trigger. Okay. And then setting it up just like you would with EMDR. And then from that, floating back, floating back, floating back, where the client's just floating to different memories from the last to the next to the next. So that we get a nice list. And you decide which one to do, take first? We decide based on which one's more disturbing, I earliest see. and or most disturbing. But if you don't do that, then we're just kind of picking the, pinning the tail on the donkey with, I think this is a good one. And when I see clients, I know that if they're, especially mine clients, yeah. they're coming in, they've got this current issue. If I do target sequencing, we're following the memory network literally from memory to memory. So whichever memory we pick, we know it's going to have a direct impact on the current issue. Yeah, that's huge. So um, if I go in to see an EMDR specialist and are there a few questions I could ask to find out if in fact they do regularly practice it? Well, you could just ask that as well. Just do do you do this on a regular basis? What are your specialties? Um, And So what would be a red flag that someone is certified in it, but they're really not practicing it. You, you, you kind of have to go by their word mm-hmm. with how often they're practicing it. I think you'll know. I mean, a, a lot of clinicians will still use, you know, their hands and that doesn't necessarily mean that clinician's not good mm-hmm. if they don't have the, the tools or what have Okay. You so got. there's hand, they can follow hand movement. They can follow your hand. Or what are the other options? Uh, we have pulsers. Okay. Light bar. Uh, there's hand pulsers. Okay. So also they pulse to back, go back and forth. And forth. Okay. Uh, there's audio. Okay. Um, and some therapists have even been known to put a sticky tape on each side of the wall oh. and have you follow it yourself. Oh. 
it, it really just depends. So I wouldn't judge a, a therapist based on their mode. I also wouldn't judge them based on their license. There's some MFTs True. that are just as good as psychologists. Um, so I would really go with the rapport, make sure they're doing target sequencing. And if the rapport is good, you're probably going to trust if they're telling you, this is what I do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, obviously, the people who come to see you have found the very best. I believe that. Um, but we've, I just have to say, we've worked with a lot of clients who've searched for an EMDR therapist and their first attempt in finding someone who's EMDR certified uh, resulted in working with someone who uh, is EMDR certified but never did EMDR with them. So I just want to make sure that people, you know, just ask the right questions to make sure that, you know, if that's what you're searching for. And maybe mm -hmm. you're happy with finding a talk therapist or hypnosis. I don't mm -hmm. think there's a one-size-fits-all for diet or therapy or, or for any of those things. But it's kind of fun to just figure out how to be better and to find mm -hmm. just the same way you find the workout that best suits you and makes you feel like a million bucks and gets you the results you want fast. The same is true for therapy. So if you're specifically looking for an EMDR therapist, I would say, just based on my experience in working with clients searching for one, that in that first session, you just have to ask them, how, how, how important is it? How passionate are you about EMDR? Because I don't think you want to spend another, you know, a year and then going, when are we going to get to the EMDR? And, you know, great, great questions. Ask them to explain how EMDR works. Ah, because now they know. Well, now they know. Now, now you know. And if you understand based on their explanation, then they probably know what they're doing. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Well, we have included Dr. Michaela's contact information here. And uh, we just I invite you, if especially, why not get that competitive edge and find yourself somebody who can fix your brain, just help you understand what's going on, help you, as you say, um, kind of become a therapist for yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, why not? Mm -hmm. And go to an expert. We go to dentists, we go to doctors, we go to experts for just about everything else. And I can't think of anything more important than your brain. So thank you for being here, Dr. McKayla. Thank you for having me. So there you go. Now the question is, are you curious? What happens when you invest in an expert? Well, we know you get the treatment you need, the know-how, the shortcuts, the answers, the help. It's funny, we'll consult with experts in just about every area of our life. We'll go to the dentist, we'll go to the doctor, a business coach, a personal trainer. Why? Because we want results and we know we don't have all the answers. So my question to you is, why wouldn't you look into an expert who might be able to give you those things in the most important area? Hello, your brain. Now, you might wonder why, why is Shaleen such an advocate for this stuff? Well, aside from the fact that it has changed my life, aside from the fact that it is therapy that I was able to move from completely stressed out success, like you know, having the car in the house and all those things and being the top dog and making all the money and all those things. It's only because of therapy that I've been able to make more money and work a lot less and quite frankly, enjoy happiness, enjoy my life. It's, it's because of therapy. I really had to do EMDR therapy to figure out why was I overcompensating with my quote unquote work ethic my workaholicism. And I, I always wore that as a badge of honor until I went to a therapist to do some EMDR training and realized, holy cow, there's kind of a reason why I do this stuff. And I had to resolve that and it didn't take long. It, it literally took three sessions for me to solve this. And I feared like many of you that that would mean months and months of talk therapy, painful talk therapy. And I'm like, I really don't have anything to talk about. I had a great childhood, but there were just some 
you know, minor episodes, major episodes, I guess you could say, that that caused me to form some incorrect beliefs that led me to become a workaholic. And since that time, my husband and I have been on a mission to coach other entrepreneurial couples and, and people in general. And the one thing that we realize is that we've got to be honest with people. And this isn't about one person or one mentor, like having all the answers, because so many of you will find the answers once you work through your stuff. And to build trust means I have to be honest. And to be honest, whether it's a diet program or a business course or a couple seminar, the people who we work with, the ones who go the furthest, who actually learn to enjoy their life, the ones who seem comfortable in their own skin, not paralyzed by fear, not overcompensating with work or trying to achieve awards or being number one, the ones who really are able to have smart success and feel happy are the ones who have this one thing in common. They figure their stuff out. They go to a therapist. They go to the expert. The stuff from our past, the stuff that keeps us on this perpetual hamster wheel. Now, the piece of yourself that you know kind of lights your fire. Like for me, I was afraid to lose whatever it was that made me have drive and work ethic. I was, I kind of feared losing that. But what I found by doing some therapy is that I didn't lose it. I, in fact, learned to embrace it and understood where it came from so I could harness it. I hope you'll do more than think about this episode. I hope that you'll explore. So I want you to tweet me and use the hashtag therapy is smart. Hashtag therapy is smart. If you're a believer and you can tweet that to me or you can use that same hashtag under my last Facebook post. And I want you to use that if, if you're willing to take the challenge and just look into this. This episode was dedicated to your potential. I believe in your potential. So until we talk again, I just want to tell you, I love you for investing in yourself. So please be sure to go to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash podcast, where you will find the links to everything we discussed in this episode and some free resources that Dr. Michaela wanted to share with you. 